0: hey yo. Hey, dude. How's hey, it- long time no talk? Well, no, it hasn't been that long. Has it been that long?
1: It feels like it's been a long time.
0: Feels like it's been a while, but you're, you're just in Cali, right?
1: Yeah, I was down in uh, San Francisco about a week ago.
0: Ooh, that sounds nice.
1: Yeah, it's been a nice break, or it was a nice break from uh, the, the no sun and the rain. Uh, how have you been doing?
0: Uh, I've been okay. I've been okay. I'm just like... I'm at that point in, is there any background in my audio? I'm not hearing any. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, no, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of been slow. Yeah. That's, I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, I started US West games and uh, been doing a lot of curiosity and focus stuff, but like, and with level up gaming and all that, but like in terms of archeology, span like work has been slow because I'm just waiting for my co authors. it's just,
1: <laughs> uh, the waiting game.
0: I know. And I'm just like, my dissertation, like, all of my work is done. And I, I'm i just waiting for co-authors. Like, I actually just, that that chapter of the book I published in, in China just finished because it took so long. Like, every morning I would wake up and my whole morning was chatting with the my colleague in China who was translating it and trying to explain what all the really specific geologic terms were and how to like translate that to Chinese. Yeah. So that's been on for like two weeks. And then I had another couple of papers that I want to submit and I'm just waiting. Like one of my co authors he and he's on my committee. I've actually been emailing him for ooh a good four or five months and he hasn't responded. Ooh. But he sent me emails about other projects we're working on. <laughs>
1: That's a little frustrating.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's just ah, oh, fuck. I literally got one. There's one paper left in my dissertation, and I wrote all of the parts I'm supposed to write for it, and I'm waiting for my co-authors to contribute to them before, you know, I can submit the whole package as my like my my PhD. And so, ugh. but yeah. in the meantime, I'm just, like keeping busy with other things. Nice. And I don't have any marking, which is weird. You don't have any what? I don't have any marking. At the end of the semester, because I'm the head TA for a class, and I don't uh, I don't have students. I just manage all the TAs.
1: So oh I have wow! Purely
0: administrative duties. So it's like I'm getting like I, there are like times in the semester when I get hundreds of emails, but then right now it's just like oh I don't have much to do. This is weird. Yeah. And like I have a really hard time not having work to do.
1: I was going to ask you that because I mean you. It- you're you know, when you're going at your quote unquote normal, like you you've got a lot of projects going. You've got a, a lot of uh lines. I'm ca- cast. Yeah, I'm kind of a
0: workaholic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know how that feels.
0: Yeah. So I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. It feels really weird. So I'm like trying to I was actually just talking to my girlfriend today. Uh she's downstairs watching Netflix. Nice. And I was just like, I I feel like I feel bad because I took today off just to watch Star Wars.
1: I uh, don't feel bad.
0: <laughs> I, I felt bad. I was like, Oh, I'll drop you off at home later. And then, um, I'll probably just like do some more work after this podcast with Chris. And she was like, take the day off. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just, uh, I have a hard time taking a break, but Star Wars is really fucking good. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. I have not seen it yet. Uh, but I really plan on doing that probably in- i don't know i i'm uh i'm traveling at the end of this week so uh oh where are you going i'm flying back to kentucky for um uh, oh for christmas yeah gonna visit my fiance's family for christmas and uh then drive up to pittsburgh and see my parents and then we'll fly back to portland from pittsburgh but uh oh. yeah in preparation for uh a, a long time traveling i've just kind of got a front load a ton of stuff this week so it's just kind of like this this final dash to the finish line and then uh next week i'll get to chill and then yeah that's uh well hopefully yeah i get it holidays are never super uh relaxing for me
0: yeah i get that i get that well i'm I'm, i can i'm like i'm glad i could help you with the whole like (laughs) podcast thing
1: yeah thank you for uh, especially for responding on such short notice it's it, that was yeah, no worries, super clutch as always um so uh yeah, i guess so before we, have, we start you have
0: that new segment right new segment yeah
1: well first uh this is the final episode of go dig a hole
0: whoa what wait wait
1: for 2017 <laughs> oh god dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this Holy shit i had to let that one go <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Go Dig a Hole podcast. On today's show, I'm joined once again by Daniel Kwan of the Curiosity and Focus podcast. We're here to talk about our hustles, our side hustles, the other side hustles, and how we sustain all of it. Um, how to be busy, how to live a, re- a rewarding life, and all the stuff we've gotten done. Here at the end of 2017, looking into 2018, it's a time for reflection. So uh, we reflect on a very big year for each of us and take a little look ahead. Also, a reminder that every podcast episode has a companion blog post on -ah GoDigAHole.com. Some posts go into more detail on some points shared in the episodes, some less. But all have useful links if you want to know more about anything in the podcast. So go to -ah GoDigAHole.com, check it out. Uh, There's also posts that are not related to the podcast, uh, like the reading list. I try and put out a seasonal reading list. So there's one, uh, Better Late Than Never, uh, for the fall. Also a reminder to please go on to iTunes if you happen to be listening to this podcast on iTunes. Rate it five stars if you're enjoying the experience. Uh, If you're not, uh, still rate it five stars. But, yeah, find the Go Dig a Hole podcast on whatever service uh, you are listening to it on. And share it with your friends, share it with your coworkers, your teachers, fellow students, whatever. Really appreciate it. And always feel free to get in touch with any questions, comments, or, you know, just let me know what you think about the show. Uh... Yeah, just for 2017. Uh, so okay. I'll, I'll be back with uh, some new episodes in, in 2018. Uh, and uh, right now I'm not planning on, on taking a break. Um, just going to keep rolling with every every two-ish weeks. kind of. Um, yeah. yeah. So we'll go from there. Uh, got a, a few podcasts uh, lined up here. Uh, it's going to be good. That's- there for a while, I think uh, Go Dig a Hole was taking a very serious uh, trajectory on some of the episodes like hitting some really hard things you were and uh it it feels it feels good to have that um have that out there but it also feels good to kind of do some things just for fun uh so
0: yeah you kind of pigeonhole yourself into seriousness
1: yeah yeah
0: Yeah, i understand uh that's what this episode can be (laughs) yes
1: so um I guess uh, do you want to do the I haven't even thought about like when I want to do the new segment. Do you want to start off with that or do you want to it could be, put it at the end? Are
0: you I mean, are you going to be doing like ad reads in the future? Nah. Nah. Hmm. I mean, I like to do it in the middle. I do my like I'm I'm feeling curious when I remember to do it. Okay. Uh, I do that like right in the middle cuz I do that around my ad read, which is like a natural break. Um I th- I think like halfway would be cool because then that can lead into other discussion.
1: Yeah. And it'll break things up too. That way uh, our dear listeners don't get bored out of their minds by our friendly yeah. chat.
0: Well, I mean, this, this, uh, our friendly chat, <laughs> uh, I mean, this, this, uh, I mean, our episodes are always kind of like organic and natural. We kind of just like vibe between topics. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like listening to two pals in a coffee shop, except, you're in portland and i'm in toronto dude actually they're both both wet and rainy right now yeah
1: and i i bet toronto's got some good coffee scenes i just came from a coffee shop i uh was running some errands and and had to get some work done i mean errands so i, I just took my whole setup with me popped into a coffee shop to get some work done as one does and i, I just <laughs> in I, portland i have to share this i I got to overhear just like the worst first date ever, and this is just one of those. It's, it's the kind of thing like if there's like that guy at a coffee shop, right? And you never want to be that guy at the coffee mm-hmm. shop. And this guy was such a corn cob. He was on a first date, and he was just like really trying hard to just bludgeon this poor woman with super obtuse philosophy and he oh, was no. just saying, like, idiotic things, like, well, you know, I really struggle with uh, the concept of altruism, but, like, I'm also a compassionate person, but also, and then he, like, launches into this, like, vaguely libertarian scree on how people deserve handouts, and it's just, like, it's just buckshot. It's all over the place, and just incoherent drivel, that, but he's trying just to hoping sound to hit so something. smart. Yeah, and it's just, like, I didn't have headphones on, which was my mistake. Um, but uh, it, I, there were times when I just, I had to really put a lot of energy into not cry out loud because this guy was like sitting all of like seven feet away from me. And, and I was, man. Oh, God. I'm so <laughs> sorry.
0: See, for me, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get the whole coffee thing. Like, it's one of, it's, I think it's one of, it's something that I've, I'm of course been like, I've of course been very, very proud of like I am not dependent on coffee to function. Oh man, I'm so jealous. And I feel like I'm one of those like archaeologists, like one of the few archaeologists who isn't. Like, yeah. and that was my goal because I was like, well if I'm working in the field and the hours are odd and early, I'd rather not depend be dependent on like a substance mm-hmm. to, you know, keep me going. Yeah. And so I like I actively tried not to drink coffee and I would only drink it, you know, if it was like, oh, I'm going to try something new. Or I'm going to enjoy this beverage rather than, you know, drink it. as like, oh, my God, I need this to function. Wow. Uh, so so I don't actually drink coffee. What is uh, that life other like? Than, <laughs> I mean, I save a lot of money. Yeah. I save a lot of money. Um, but then, I, I mean, that means I can't work at coffee shops and stuff like
1: that. Yeah. 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 I worked at a coffee shop when I was an undergrad. And then uh, when I was in grad school, I worked. Mornings at a coffee shop would go to grad school and then would work nights at a bar, so I was like kind of subsidizing my caffeine and my alcohol in through that but uh in the process i uh I remain in the crushing depths of caffeine addiction, so it's just one of those things that, uh, well i have i, to I do.
0: have I know somebody who used to work at the ROM, used to work with children, and he was like like a caffeine addict, and he would have to have a coffee. And every year, his coffees every morning we get bigger and bigger, (laughs) and then it got to the point where he wasn't coming to work with coffee anymore, and he had caffeine pills. Oh no! And then it got to the point where, and it got to the point where he couldn't even take the pills anymore; they didn't work on him.
1: Yeah, no, that's when you got to slowly wean off. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I that that sort of thing scares me. So I I don't go for coffee at all. Uh, It actually wrecked. My um, some of the the members of my team when I was most recently in the field in China, uh, it it wrecked them, like not having the coffee. And I was just like, "Let's go, let's go, let's go." <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: my so, uh, that's my thing. Yeah, my brother is the same way. Like he he uh, doesn't need caffeine to function, and uh, you know, every now and then he'll he'll get just can very easily wean himself out of it, and you know, most days he he can suffice with just a a cup of tea or something.
0: Um, Can you tell your brother to start a YouTube channel because his videos are really good.
1: Yeah, I, I think he might have a YouTube channel, but most of it's on Facebook. Uh, so if if anybody yeah. listening is not familiar, uh, go on Facebook and check out Jonathan Sims Photography. It's S I M S.
0: Big shout out.
1: Yeah, it's it's my brother's uh, photography business, and he he gets these just buttery smooth pans of just like 4K of like stunning Pacific Northwest outdoor scenes and uh he also did the uh promo ad for codify uh if you look carefully i'm you're, also in the video you're also in yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i i mean like he's gotta start a youtube channel they're so good yeah i watch them all <laughs> he's
1: putting together a series of um kind of like educational videos on you know just like tips and tricks that he's just kind of you know stuff he's learned that he's just gonna like give away the knowledge which
0: that's that's super cool i mean he he should do it over like youtube and build a platform yeah totally i don't know i'm just i'm always scheming <laughs> yeah I'm, he's definitely going
1: to appreciate uh any word of advice on that uh so on uh, where i kind of wanted to start with today's episode is this time of year with, with it being the end of 2017 and we're uh you know staring at the horizon of of a new year it you know for me it's always kind of a uh, introspective and and reflective time where i think back on the year and it's been a big year for both you and i and uh it, as far as uh the chris and daniel combo goes uh, 2017 was the start of that we met at saa in vancouver Uh yep. we've been on each other's podcasts a few times to uh talk about what we're up to and uh the kinds of stuff that we're into and uh, a lot more has happened. So that's that's kind of where where we are uh, today is, uh, you know, what better way to recap the year with than with, uh, you know, this uh, my my buddy that I do a lot of cool
0: collaborations with. So, yeah, I think I've done I have to have done like at least four or five podcasts with you and you've done about that much with me as well. Yeah, it's it's been a crazy year.
1: Yeah, and it's just been one of these years. I don't know if it's if it's felt that way for you, but for me especially, it's just been like it's been kind of brutal. Like it's it's been brutal in terms of just like the sheer pace of and the volume of of things and just, you know, with with uh, you know, the pace of of stuff that I've been doing for work. Uh, but it's also been incredibly rewarding to just like be, you know, here now. And, uh, you know, be looking back on it and actually, you know, feel some sense of pride of, of like what I've done and, and what I have to look forward to.
0: And- yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been thinking the same thing. And, and every year I write a, a year in review blog post. Nice. And I've been really trying to blog more on my website. And I've been thinking about like, okay, what are all the things that I've done this year? And I think this year was my busiest year. And, yeah. I, and I think this year was my best year as well. I definitely feel the same way. Let's let's hear the stuff
1: that you've been up to because you you've been here lately um you know on on one of the previous episodes uh either on my show or your show maybe both. Uh you had you had kind of let out a teaser that um you you've been finding a lot more outlets outside of academia. Here you are yeah. about to be done with your your dissertation and, and you'll be Dr. Kwan. Um you you've been really busy. And you've also been I mean, you've been really busy with your dissertation, but you've been busy with, um, you know, a new business and you've been busy with uh, role playing games and you wrote a book and you've got uh, a game and, and it's it's uh it's awesome. So let's hear all about this.
0: Oh, OK. Well, yeah, it's been a super busy. Well, first of all, like you and I met, which was huge for me. Like I'm not not even because I'm on your show right now. Like when we met in person because we we kind of got started talking in 20 Sixteen over Twitter, yeah, and then we actually met in person in Vancouver, and a photo that I took of <laughs> you and I in that house that you guys were renting is still the profile picture of the Curiosity and Focus Facebook page.
1: Oh my God, it is, yeah,
0: yeah, overlaid with with my logo. Um, so obviously, like Curiosity and Focus was a big part of 2017. Uh, I produced forty episodes plus four or five specials and several announcements and all all the collaborations with you. You're like my biggest collaborator. And I did that all in one year. I, I had no resources starting in 2016, November 4th, 2016. And I still do pretty much the whole podcast myself. I record everything. I edit everything. I do all the social media, but all the, the design, the website design and the branding and the sort of the direction is done by my brother. Um, So I guess both of our brothers are very involved in sort of the creative aspects of our lives. Yeah. Uh, But Curiosity and Focus was huge for me. Uh, I also this year officially registered Curiosity and Focus as a business. Uh, So I own Curiosity and Focus. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, and that was a a big thing because the last time you and I talked for, I think it was your show, we talked a lot about business. And that was one of the things that had been on my to-do list. And I would just, whether it was me subconsciously kind of pushing it away or, you know, in fear of it being too real or me just literally not having the time because of all the other thousand things I do, uh, I finally like sat down and was like, okay, I have to do this. And i registered it as a business and nobody had registered it before. So Curiosity and Focus is mine. I own it. Uh, and it feels really cool. Um, so the podcast has been awesome. And I, and I really like the direction that it's been going. Uh, I was really scared about having it be you know, all archaeology or having it be, you know, all science or all culture. And I feel like I've really hit a good sort of, I guess, variety in terms of the guests that I have. You know, the yeah. last one I had a poet on, my my friend Connor McDonald, who I'm actually starting a podcasting miniseries with called The Chimera Code. Yeah. Um. You know, I had a lot of gamers. I had an evolutionary biologist. Um, I had an engineer who was actually a historian. I, I feel like one of my favorite, I like every single episode I produced because if I didn't like the episodes I produced, you did. You know, it, why do it in the first place? But, you know, some <laughs> yeah. episodes kind of strike home more than others. And, you know, this season you and I did, I think we did The Truth About Archaeology. And on your show, I think we did Pop Culture and Archaeology in terms of my 10 episode seasons. Yeah. But- this one was was this season was I think the best one for me. So the first episode of season 4, the most recent season of my podcast, uh, I had Jennifer Poke on and she's a life coach. But one of her her ph her Twitter handle is from PhD to life.
1: Oh, and she's all nice. about
0: helping PhDs transition away from academia and that's something that you know I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, so that really was, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to her, but I also wanted to share her resources and the fact that she exists with other people. Because I know a lot of people in my department uh, at the University of Toronto listen to my podcast. Um, you know, I, I did a, po- I do one episode with you basically every season, at least one episode with <laughs> you every season. So those are always special because you know, with you, I, you know, we we keep it real. We keep it real. Yeah. You know, we're we're buddies. We talk about archaeology. And but we talk about you know what archaeology is really like and yeah. what's beyond archaeology but related to it. So yeah. I always enjoy doing that episode with you. But then I did this episode with a man named Jack Jin, and and that episode kind of
1: that was an amazing episode, by the way.
0: Thank you. I, I was just completely blown away by it. So for the for listeners of your podcast who aren't familiar with my show, and if you're long term listeners, I mean, how dare you? <laughs> Um,
1: yeah, at this point, come ep- on, subscribe Come already. on, right? Rate it five uh, stars. I- Donate to his Patreon. <laughs> what are you doing?
0: I know, eh? So, episode thirty-eight of my show, I had Jack Jin on. Now, Jack Jin is a retired engineer. He's a philanthropist, an entrepreneur. Uh, but he had been contacted by an organization in Vancouver where you and I actually met, which yeah. is which is crazy. An organization in Vancouver called the Chinese Canadian Military Museum Society. And what they do is they actually try to uh, recover and tell the stories of Chinese Canadians who fought for Canada during all of its wars. And simultaneously, I was writing Ross Rifles uh, with my co-author, Patrick, uh, the tabletop role-playing game that I'll probably talk about later. And I was writing this, and one of the things that you encounter if you play a role-playing game is that, you know, and especially if you're trying to do one in World War I, it's like a white man's war like let's be to be straight up. It's a white person's war. Yeah. You you know, if if you're Canadian, I guess in America, like the American participation in world war one was very, very minimal. Um, but they were still there. Yeah. Uh, But the, the
1: goals and all, I, I mean with, with world war one and world war two and uh, even the Vietnamese war, it was these, these epic, enormous wars that, that had international players, uh, you know, the, the people really sending troops out to die were white guys.
0: Yeah. And so in Canada, you know, I learned about World War I in grade six and seven, and then more in high school. Now it's really only in the curriculum from grade 10 and up. And when you look at a history textbook or you look at, you know, a generic World War I book, you just see white people fighting. Yeah. And when I was writing, when we were writing Ross Rifles and we were writing the section on creating your character, creating your soldier. We were like, well, I know not just white people fought, so I wanna, I wanna learn more. I wanna find these stories because I'm an academic. I'm gonna write my role playing book and research it like I would any sort of academic piece that I would do. Yeah. So this this book that we wrote and written it is like very thoroughly researched. Um, and I, I called the uh, Chinese Canadian Military Museum. I was like, hey, any information on like Chinese Canadians who fought during World War One? And there are a pair of brothers who are very well documented, and who survived the war, but then they said, the, the I guess the, the, the administrator or the secretary that I called, she said that there's this guy named Jack Jin, and the curator's too busy right now. She can't talk to you, but he's working on a project, and I'm sure he'd love to share the story he uncovered with you, and I said, this is amazing. I'm writing a book, but I also have a podcast, Wow. And so I got in touch with them and we did that episode about Frederick Lee. And it blew my mind. Yeah. A, because it kind of embodies the spirit of what you and I kind of share with our audience. You know, with you, archaeology is for everyone. Anybody can do archaeology, anybody can participate in archaeology. For me, anybody can participate in sharing knowledge. Yeah. Right. Jack Jin's an engineer. He's not a historian. And he said that on the show. And I said, I don't care. Yeah, you're doing everything that we're doing. And he, and so on like a very meta level, he was a guest who embodied the spirit of what curiosity and focuses and what go dig a hole is. He, yeah, he was digging for information.
1: He really but was. also,
0: He really was. Yeah. But but also it was like a, a story about a soldier who I felt like I connected with, you know, Frederick Lee was a Chinese born Canadian. He was he was Chinese, but he was born in Canada. He wasn't born in China. His parents had come from the same region of China that my parents were from. He was educated, and he identified as a Canadian. And that's my story.
1: Are you a first-generation Canadian?
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh, So like, this was a really powerful story for me. And so, I mean, I love every single episode we put out, but that one is really special to me because I I got to share— you know, an Asian Canadian story with my audience. And the episode before that had Jason Lou. Yes. who's was like an Asian Canadian comic book artist who created an Asian Canadian character. And so these episodes just kind of came together. I never planned the order in which these episodes come out. I, I just kind of do them. Yeah. Uh, and, and I do that, you know, actively because, you know, I want it to feel authentic and I want it to feel organic. So I really liked that episode. So, you know, this was a huge year for curiosity and focus, uh, registered that as a business. Yeah. And then I started another business, <laughs> done West games. Um, so with two of my friends from the Royal Ontario museum, uh, Daniel Groh and Patrick Keenan, I started a game design business called done West games. So for the past couple of years, uh, Daniel Patrick and I have been, you know, writing content for role-playing games in my condo. I live in uh, an area of Toronto called Dundas West.
1: Oh, I was about to ask you where that comes from. So uh, yeah, you beat me to that.
0: <laughs> so we were like, so uh, we we wanted to write a role playing game that was educational because of my students at the ROM with all of my work there, and so we started working on a World War One RPG, and it just kind of came together. And now we're about to release like a quick start rule, and we're going to publish the book next year. Wow. Yeah, And the so book is it, Ross
1: Rifles, right?
0: And the book is Ross Rifles. That's the game. <clears throat> nice. So uh, for your listeners who probably don't know about that aspect of my life, I'm an archaeologist, I'm a teacher, and now I'm a game designer. And I wrote Ross Rifles with Patrick and Daniel. And it's essentially a game about playing as Canadian soldiers during World War I. It's about the Canadian experience in what was seen as the war to end all wars, the, the greatest war of all time. And it's about being a Canadian. Uh, it's about Canadians finding identity during the war, oh, but it's wow. also a tool for teachers like myself who work in alternative mediums to teach people about the war through what we could call experiential learning. So instead of saying, we're going to go dig a trench and sit out there and get trench foot and <laughs> starve to death, we're going to play a role-playing game. Yeah. And this is something that you know young people can really engage with. Right now, you know, on Remembrance Day on November 11th, we actually had our first ever demo of the game, and I took all of my students to the Soldiers' Tower, which is at the University of Toronto. We went on a field trip, talked about the First World War. I told Frederick Lee's story. We talked about, you know, a lot of other visible minorities in Canada who fought, you know, for the country in World War One, uh, and then we went up to the Soldiers' Tower, and it's actually a monument to all of the veterans, not just in the First World War, but all of the wars. Uh, from the University of Toronto, uh, who fought and died, or or didn't die, and so we went. We saw a real German machine gun from World War One. We got to touch it. We saw newspaper clippings. We saw medals, and then we went back to the museum, and we played Ross rifles. All fifty of my students played Ross rifles, and we applied all of our knowledge that we learned into a game. Wow, and that was really po- like a really powerful moment for for Patrick Daniel and I, because. We saw our game in use and we saw the kids actually taking what I lectured about and actually put it to use. Yeah. What a so great teaching that, that, tool. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what we've been working on. So, you know, Curiosity and Focus had a big year. This is Dundas West Games' first year. Uh, and this is the second year of another organization that I'm a part of called Level Up Gaming. Uh, and we, help adults with autism learn social skills through tabletop games like board games and role-playing games. It was a big year for us because we ran our first pilot program uh, earlier this year. I did some sort of pro bono work in the summer, Uh and then we ran our second uh, program this fall, but we expanded to two groups. uh, And we're now slowly expanding even more, so 2018 is gonna look even bigger for us with collaborations with other organizations, uh and and just more work it's fantastic wow um yeah i published and then on the archaeology side i i published two papers uh huh um and two more are in the pipe for this year so i published a paper in the journal of archaeological science i published a paper in ethnoarchaeology uh and then another paper is just finished, and I think the lead author is sending it off right now to Ethnoarchaeology. And then I published uh, a chapter of a book in Chinese.
1: That's amazing. And so that in addition to pursuing your your uh, dissertation too,
0: in addition to that, <laughs> and all of that is related to my dissertation. And like, and you know, I have I have a teaching job. You know, I have like a wonderful girlfriend. Yeah. And so I've never. I had. I don't think I've compromised my personal life. I've just managed to take all the things that I've loved and focus on those for my year.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've heard the the saying, always be grinding and uh always I mean, be grinding. <laughs> you live that to the letter.
0: And you've got I mean, you too, you do too. Like I want to hear and I think I feel like your audience deserves to hear about your year. Because you had a big year with Codify. Yeah. But you also have a big year and a big twenty eighteen ahead of you with what you want to do with Go Dig a Hole.
1: Yeah. Well, let's let's break into our brand new segment, and we'll come back and revisit that topic so we can talk about uh, the hustles and the side hustles, and the other side hustles, uh, and how Ooh, both that, of us sustain all that.
0: Uh, that th- was a that was a good segue. Thank you. I I, I hey. learned
1: from you, man. Uh, you're, you're killing it. Yeah. You're uh, killing it. <laughs> that was another big thing in in 2017 was learning about segways, um, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I learned all of it from Daniel. Uh so the new cool. the new segment is six pack archaeology. Um I I had uh played around with this idea. I wanted to call it six pack archaeology, and my original idea for it was uh I either split a six pack or just pound a six pack uh each with another archaeologist, and we talk about our, uh archaeology in the news and I wanted that to be like a YouTube series, uh, and I thought it would be really fun. And then the more and more I got into it, I was like, well, there's a few problems. Like, one, um, I don't drink that much anymore. And two, uh, it's really, really difficult to get another archaeologist in front of a camera, a notoriously camera sh. Um, so. You and I are just different. You and I are different. We are different animals, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, so what we're going to try out here and, uh, I am going to, I, I have, we're going to split a six pack here, but in, instead of a six pack of, uh, adult beverages, uh, it's going to be a six pack of archeology span in the news. So I'm going to read off three, uh, headlines and for each headline, Daniel has to decide if it's true or if it's false.
0: And only one of them is false is that that's right right
1: i will I'll give you this hint one is okay one is true
0: oh okay
1: okay now now, in terms of it if it's actually archaeology, so it it could be a hoax or it could be something I made up you don't know yeah all right so let's let's start with the first one. The headline is archaeologists think they've found Santa's bones.
0: Oh God! Okay, I feel like—do I get to hear them all before I get to make my decision, or do I have to do it on the spot? Uh, You're setting a precedent for future. I am. iterations of this segment.
1: Call it on the spot. Okay. Um, true. That one would—that one
0: would be false. It's it, ah. is, it is a real headline. Uh, but it yeah, was. You said think. You said think. So I'm like, maybe they think yeah. they found the bones of Saint Nicholas. Uh, there
1: was a real headline. Uh and it was in the New York Post uh on December seventh and it's an article uh where uh it it it's uh so the New York Post, if if anybody's not familiar, is is like uh it it's the tabloid paper that that's like uh Elvis is still alive, I have an alien baby, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um but uh I, I read the article a little bit just to <laughs> see what it was and, and uh it's it's very imaginative, but uh apparently Italian archaeologists uh this article claim have found um Saint Nicholas um and uh his bones are being held in some kind of Catholic church somewhere in Italy and um that's that's the real Santa Claus and uh but yeah, that that's not true. Uh, so that one's false. So, all right. Y- your next one. How the ancients cut stone with sound. Ancient high-tech changes understandings of civilization.
0: Oh. Okay, We say that one more time.
1: All right. How the ancients cut stone with sound. Ancient high-tech changes understandings of civilization.
0: Oh, I'm going to say true.
1: That one's false, too. Oh, God damn it. Oh, man. <laughs> uh this one i added a little bit of flourish to it uh in the title but there's this guy who haunts me and some of the other archaeologists i follow on twitter with all sorts of pseudo-archaeology and conspiracy theories and uh, shout out to david anderson Who's a listener of the podcast, and he he's a he's primarily a, a Maya archaeologist, if, if I understand cool. right. Cool. But um, he he does a lot of of writing about pseudo archaeology and hoaxes and stuff because he's he's got a he feels very passionately about. Um, getting accurate representation of archaeology out there and, you know, educating the public and trying to cut through all the noise of of stuff like this, where uh, um, the, the article, or it was a blog post, was claiming that the ancient Egyptians could um, funnel sound to cut stone. There's just no evidence for that.
0: So, um, yeah, there's actually, um, I saw an article, let me see if I could find it, it was like i don't know if it was ever published it was published in anthropology news earlier this year and it's called equipping archaeology for the post-truth fake news era Ooh, Ooh. yeah you can find that on you can find that on academia it's by uh robert muckle
1: oh yeah yeah I, f- I follow uh robert muckle on on twitter he's uh he's a very entertaining uh account to follow so uh check him out all right last headline uh, so the last
0: one has to be true then cuz I've gotten two falses.
1: Yeah. So the I think the the next time I I try this segment out I'm not going to tell the person You playing. can't tell how many. Yeah. Um but this one w- this one was cool cuz uh it's it's contentious. Uh it is 130,000-year-old mastodon bones could rewrite history of how humans first appeared in the Americas. Ooh. That was in the LA Times on April 26, 2017. That was true. Mm. Um, the there were mastodon bones found in Southern California uh, that dated to 130,000 years, and uh, the study that was released uh, dated uh, found found stone tools there, and they dated it to 130,000 years ago. And Damn. it took this team of researchers over 20 years to uh test retest retest again, test even more before they had the confidence to put this out um because this See, is, that's good science, yeah, this is the kind of thing that could ruin their careers i mean they they could just be laughed out of of any professional forum for proposing something like this because uh that date is just radically radically old than anything yep. found in the Americas, so uh That took a lot of guts to, to publish. Um, and that, you know, it's incited a lot of, uh, anger and, um, some fierce rebuttals. Uh, but you know, that's, that's part of science. Uh, that is part of science is debating it and, you know, being able to replicate your work and being, you know, show your methods and all that. So, uh, props to them for showing their methods and, you know, they, they even acknowledged in their, in their, they, they want, someone to prove it and it's not like a chip on their shoulder they're like please someone make some sense of this because we've been sitting on this for 20 years and it is our minds too so i thought that was That's that, super
0: cool that was kind of cool so let's That's super cool
1: let's hear the three from uh from your, your half of the six pack
0: okay okay so uh, not as good as yours Ah, <laughs> uh, okay so the first one is uh windmill doodle found on walls of newton's english manor <laughs> Uh, on newtons yeah
1: Uh, windmill doodle (laughs) i don't know uh (laughs) (laughs) false that's true oh man that's true wow
0: Uh, apparently isaac newton was known to keep notes on the walls of his rooms wow yeah wow i'll send this to you you. (laughs) yeah oh man all right. Yeah, live live science reported it that uh, Nottingham Trent University discovered it on the wall of the Woolsthorpe Manor, his childhood home. It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting drawing. Um, good job on the archaeologists, though. Like, very few people would have spotted that. Yeah. Um, so the second one is uh, a set of seventy metal tablets have the earliest written account and depiction of Jesus. False. Uh, yep, yeah, that's false. Oh, thank God. So, yeah, so it, there were these, uh, metal-bound, uh, sort of codices that were found in Jordan. Uh-huh. uh but they were, they were found to be hoaxes. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Uh, the last one is, uh, I picked it because I felt like it would be a good segue because I wasn't sure when you were going to put this into <laughs> your, uh, podcast. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, hunter-gatherer storytelling may have promoted cooperation.
1: Oh, I go with true
0: yeah that is that's true. that that one's an easy one because it, it makes sense yeah. yeah yeah the the idea of you know sharing stories to emphasize social norms and behaviors and promote sort of cooperation, uh, obviously in a perhaps before organized religion or supernatural vindication.
1: Yeah, it's also a kind of a a way to work with kind of a more horizontally organized society rather than um, like a stratified society. So
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but I thought that would be cool because it, it's it kind of relates to what we do. You know, we tell stories. Yeah. Uh, but we we tell stories about archaeology and we tell stories about people working in archaeology. Well, you tell more stories about archaeology, <laughs> um, but but through go dig a hole, I I. I immediately thought about your show with this, not because you're hunter-gatherer or anything, but because (laughs) you are kind of trying to foster a collaborative community within archaeology.
1: Yeah, and I I feel very strongly about um, emphasizing more horizontal forms of organization rather than think that that... Levels the playing field, uh, opens up avenues for mul- multivocality and and you know representation and and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, I guess yeah. Let- so I thought about you. So I was like, I'll do that.
1: Yeah. So uh, so with go dig a hole, uh, you you would uh let us into this before uh, we dipped into the six pack. So with go dig a hole, it's twenty seventeen has been a- um. The I can't remember the timing of it exactly, but uh, 2016 was kind of a hiatus year for Go Diggle, just it went through a, a lot of uh, you know, personal and professional changes and stuff like that. 2017 was like uh, full throttle, Go Diggle go Hole is back and going full trying to do stuff. Uh, left the Archaeology Podcast Network, fully independent, uh, fully listener supported. I can't pass that moment up without uh, a moment to uh, thank people who have supported the things that you've been able to do uh the things that you have allowed me to uh have been really cool uh been able to you know more resources uh and start to look at more creative ways to uh more things and that was that was part of my you know my scheming earlier on in 2017 was i i want to start focusing on public so um here recently i i finally formed go dig a hole into a non profit so it is a registered business name as a as a non profit and um there's there's a little bit of a time lag between being able to receive charitable donations as a non profit still waiting on on that to clear up uh, for the time being the the pay still still remains uh, the most effective way to support um, when when uh the the tax status changes, charitable donations. Uh, what I'll do, my intention is at least, is to uh, probably shut down the Patreon and uh, send a message out to all the all the supporters and uh, and basically make the the support structure to be about the same as as the Patreon was. Um, uh, so that you know, basically give whatever you can, and I'll reward it as much as I can within a sustainable amount. But um, one of the things that I I wanted to do uh, to accomplish one of the missions of of professional development and building a more inclusive archaeology was just to start locally. Uh, so yeah. he- here in here in Oregon, you know, I've I've been a, a member of the Oregon Archaeological Society and the Association of Oregon Archaeologists, and uh, started a <clears throat> started kind of a, a scholarship fund, if you will, to um, sponsor a uh, early career archaeologist or archaeology student uh, just sponsored their membership for a year, um, and so uh, I've been talking with with both organizations, uh, and and we're going to more formalized way to to do that properly. And and one of the the issues that OAS had brought up, I approached them with this is, as they said that they were uncomfortable with it at first, but they wanted to to talk more about it. And the thing that made them uncomfortable, and I totally understand, is um, they said that membership in a an archaeological society bears with it some kind of moral and ethical obligation to uphold uh you know standards to protect archaeological resources and to be educated about that that obligation going in as a member and so they they said you know if you're just going to give away a a membership i feel like that bypasses acknowledgement that you are educated about that so I was like yeah I totally understand makes we'll sense we'll find a better way to do this but yeah but they were they were enthusiastic either way so I, I um and then uh yeah yeah uh, you
0: can figure out a way to make it accessible but also uh reward it to award it to somebody who who I guess deserves this through, through some sort of application or something yeah yeah and let, yeah, like not the sure OAS, how that works
1: yeah but. let like the OAS board determine that or something like that. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then I have some public speaking, um, engagements that have been organized. One of them is, is going back to Vancouver. Um, so I'll, I'll be going up to, uh, Vancouver at some point in the spring and, uh, to give a talk up there and, uh, more details on that will be forthcoming. But, when I go up there, I, I plan on uh, trying to meet up with the guys who host the the Transect podcast. It's a it's a podcast based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, um, and they it's uh, three guys that talk mostly about uh, CRM archaeology, archaeology oh, cool. as it's called up there. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very well done podcast, very entertaining to listen to, uh, informative. It brings a lot of a lot of issues um, that i feel are are very uh translatable to the kinds of things that c r m archaeologists uh encounter in the states too, so it's really neat to to um hear perspectives from the other side of the border and on that note uh i there's there's this new feature on the itunes uh podcast uh thing whatever they
0: I hate the I hate the changes they made to the app. By the way, I
1: do too. It's obnoxious. It's but terrible. One of the things that they built in is stats, so I'm able to look at some stats. and And podcast stats are notoriously inaccurate. So, uh, you know, if somebody's quoting you a number for um, how many listeners they have, um, it's probably grossly exaggerated. Um, yep. So but I am I'm able to see that according to iTunes, um, 30% of go to go whole listeners are in Canada. So shout out to mm. all you Canadian listeners. That's, that's super awesome. Uh, and then, uh, several more are in Kentucky and several more are in Oregon and the rest are just kind of scattered all over the States. So, uh, yeah, thanks thanks to all the listeners. But it it's kind of neat to see the the geographic spread of of and I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that there were so many in Canada.
0: Oh. You're gonna have to show me how to do that later. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I'll send you some, That's super some cool screenshots.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you got like <clears throat> basically you're making this move to making archaeology widely accessible to young people.
1: Yeah, I I want to be be uh I want go to go whole to be a strong resource for young people if they're students whether that's uh you know like high school or or college and uh, you know one one of the inspirations for that was is the students that I've worked with in afar in Belize um I had, you know, going into that, I I didn't know what I was getting myself into in terms of like the impact that I would have on high school students, but seeing them go through a field school year after year after year and then have awesome opportunities to get into colleges because they've demonstrated some kind of research uh during their summers and that really sets them apart from you know other applicants of their their age. Uh, you know, I was I was like blown away, and then you know to maintain some some positive relationships with them. That's it's just been really rewarding. Uh, yeah, so you know them, and then also I I had started this thing when you know this thing being go dig a hole. Uh, as just kind of like a, a an outlet for what I was going through as an early career geologist. I had a lot of frustrations with navigating the gap between classroom and and so as i kind of explored that i just decided to share some of that with you know mostly by reaching out to people who i felt like uh, like they they knew better and uh they offer some interesting uh insights and and advice on you know good tips uh and you know sharing their perspectives on, on their professional trajectories and one of the recurring themes throughout all this and and i feel like uh you're a great testament to this daniel is is uh there is no linear path to archaeology.
0: No, absolutely. Like, not.
1: That's one of that's one of the craziest things of, about this this field is is But you, they make you think
0: they they make you think that there is. Yeah.
1: It's it's like I'm gonna go through uh, school and the idealized trajectory goes undergrad straight into grad school, straight into tenure track professor or straight into uh, some kind of of ladder climbing feat of getting through CRM or a gob or something like that. Um, but uh, as you get into it, you realize it doesn't work that way. Uh, you're you're probably gonna take a gap between uh, you know, different approaches to school. There is no ladder. Uh, it's really just kind of a, a playground, and you just got to get through it.
0: Actually, just found I found this article, and and it's really funny that you bring that up. Uh, so it was published uh, late October this year, and it was in Nature. Huh. Um, and it's an editorial, and it says, and the title is "Many Junior Scientists Need to Take a Hard Look at Their Job Prospects." Yes. And the subtitle is "Permanent Jobs in Academia Are Scarce, and Someone Needs to Let PhD Students Know." Yeah. And th- that's exactly what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And I it it really frustrated me, and and uh, I had Kirsten Lopez on, and and we've been talking about um, you know her her being a, a more frequent collaborator on the show too. Uh, her and I were talking about how the the timing of our entry into CRM archaeology was very instructive on on like our path, the profession, and so you know for for her and I at least we got into archaeology at a time when there was like it, it was it was there was a lot of job scarcity a lot of uncertainty in the job market uh and it was all following the real estate collapse in 2000s and yeah you know it, it i i can think uh you know, a a tax act uh, american Oh, what was it called? ARRA, American uh, Recovery and Reinvestment Act or something like that. Um that just funneled billions of dollars into infrastructure uh and environmental management like land management projects uh and it was it kept me employed for a long time and it, right. that's that's where I you know, that was the kind of, of work environment and that was the kind of work that I was doing was was a lot of like um, big federal job kind of work in, in CRM. And and so that that was kind of the start of my perspective, been trying hard to brand, you know, to get outside of, of CRM, because even CRM is is widely varied. You know, you've got people some people will. Oil pipeline, you know, only wetland restoration, or you know, of uh, so it, it's just neat to see like everywhere archaeology can go, and you know that that kind of brings that all funnels back into well, how how do you sustain that the things that you pick up along the way, and you know all of that is kind of a reflection of, of my life, and and it's it's a lot of it comes out of things that I'm digging around for you know, just to help myself out, and I, you know, yeah. I'll make like contacts and stuff. And I'm like, Hey, you know, like, you know, your shit, you on my podcast and, uh, you know, that's, you know, guests, but, um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but it's that humbleness that, that more academics need. Is that humbleness that more scholars need, right? A lot of people won't be like, Oh, you know, your shit. Can you teach me that? A lot of people will either take that as, "Whoa, are you trying to steal my stuff?" <laughs> um, right? Because I've I've encountered that. It was like, "Oh wow, that's yeah. so cool!" And then people will be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, that's that's my area of expertise." And I'm like, yeah. "Whoa, I just want to learn."
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Hey buddy, you're taking up too much room in the pool. It, it doesn't work that way."
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, no, it's it's cool that you 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 know you've come to this point where you know you're secure in your place in archaeology and. Perhaps your current role in archaeology, because your role is constantly evolving. Yeah. That that you're open and confident enough to be like, "Hey, I want to learn from you, and I want to share what you have and your expertise with the world."
1: Yeah, definitely. And I feel like for early early career and and for for students, uh, I mean, you've you've really got nothing to lose by being humble. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. So that's that's kind of where where my head's at on, is is just you can learn from from anybody. And, and that's that's also the direction that I've been taking, Go dig a hole as a, as a show lately is, is reaching out to you know some people who aren't in archaeology um, because they have some things. Don Howard is, is a friend of mine who's an accountant, but she specializes in dealing with freelancers. So she's got a lot of advice on how to professionally uh, do things right. Financially and, and tax-wise for freelancers, and and uh, I have often felt that I have freelancers, with other archaeologists, um, because you know, I, it's I the am, lifestyle. It's a up, very different yeah.
0: lifestyle. It's unpredictable, and it's a different. It's a it's unpredictable, but you know, freelancers are people who you know you might not be working one day, but then the next day you might be working all day and well <laughs> into the night.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: and you know, it it takes a certain kind of person to do that. And that and that's why.
1: Yeah and then with with codify uh that was that was also a big thing that happened for me in 2017 and let me think i i i had kind of started to get involved um as kind of almost like an outside consultant in 2016 and then uh in 2017 i was i was hired on full time and um we've been killing it if if I can take a moment to, to brag, you know, yeah. me and my colleague, no, you really have. me and my colleague, Michael Ashley, uh, I mean, he's, he's the kind of guy that um, I've, I've lately kind of come to think, think of uh, him and I as, as like iron sharpens iron kind of thing where uh, he is so scary smart um, and him and uh, our like strengths and weaknesses really complement there. Like there, there are things that I can do that that he can't and there are things that he can that that i can't the things that he can do that i can't it's just like he's just scary smart and he can he can learn just about anything really quickly master it and like he can go deep into like coding and development and all sorts of stuff and open a lot of doors uh professionally and so it's been fun like learning from him and all of it like it's just been it's just been funny. Like the the path that I that I've had to follow for the past year with Codify is a microcosm of my path through archaeology as a whole, because I got into it with uh, very clear parameters. It, it was I I've spent enough time in CRM archaeology that I can you know kind of provide some user testing and some consulting on. Uh, The the direction it needs to go and the kinds of features that to now I almost don't even look at look at myself as an archaeologist anymore um, because I've had to focus on like sales and business management like actually running you're
0: you're an entrepreneur running a business that's you are yeah
1: and so all of it's new territory for me and all of it's like brand new and a a lot of it is is I've I've had to reach really far out of my network to, I probably never would have encountered if I had stayed on kind of a more traditional CRM archaeology because I've, I've got, I just like, in order for Codify to survive and in order for me to survive, I, I have to learn about business and I have to, you know, be like you had said, be humble and, and take every moment I can to learn. And, uh, just the the people who have who have taught me, you know, what I know so far, just in the past year, have blown my mind. The kinds of like tips and tricks, and so it's one of those things that I, I probably don't have like a good outlet on Go Dig a Hole to talk about. But um, here at, at Stream PDX, the the airstream studio that I'm recording at this podcast out of, yeah, there's a lot of podcasts here, and so we have like a monthly. It's been really fun to, uh, you know just get to chat and, and blow off steam and you know there are people who they eat and breathe that every day and they've been doing it for me so they know they know some some uh tips and tricks that are so that's it's been
0: yeah that's amazing i mean you have to be able to adapt you have to be able to be open to learning and be open to putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and in an uncomfortable phase in your life in order to adapt yeah right? yeah it's definitely if, not if comfortable. You get stuck on that <laughs> yeah you have to be uncomfortable you know, I, I really, you know, I like that because I, I know that if I'm uncomfortable, if I'm doing something new and it makes me uncomfortable, it means I'm learning something new. Yeah. And I never want to be too comfortable because I get bored. That, that means I'm I'm not, I'm going to get bored and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not evolving. Yeah. Right? You know, for me, I've kind of gone on a similar trajectory to you. You know, I've learned a lot about business in the past year and I've, and one of the things that I learned is you don't need to go to business school.
1: Yeah. That's
0: one of the things that I've really learned, but, but I've also learned that, you know, you need to ask for help. You need to be able to ask for help and be humble enough to ask for help because you're not going to be able to do everything.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: one of the, the most important things about, I mean, my, my new business Dundas West games is that, you know, we have, we're a three person team and every person has something that they can do that the others can't. So, uh, one of my partners, Daniel, it's, it's two Daniels and a Patrick, uh, the other Daniel, you know, he's our business manager. He studied, you know, business, information, technology and management in the university. That's what his degree is in. And he's responsible for all of that. He put together our, our business agreement. He does all of that. And he, you know, he is, you know, we I've known him for over a decade and we've worked together at the museum for a long time and he knows that, you know, I can kind of my, my good pal, Kieran, likes to say that I'm a jumper. I'm somebody who, once again, <laughs> I, yeah, I just like to go. I just go for it. Yeah. And, and Daniel's the kind of person who's like, wait, we have to think about this first. Right? I'm like I'm very grateful for that. And Patrick, he's the youngest member of, of the business, and he's this young up-and-comer. You know, he sees things that Daniel and I don't see. You know, Patrick is you know, great on all of our social media, but he also really isn't set in his ways with how you know I write or how Daniel writes or how we all think because Patrick's still a student in university. So we have this like big team that gels together, yeah. but each of us is completely, you know, aware of the fact that we all have something to offer. And all of those things that we are unique that make us unique and what we offer makes this business successful or what will make this business successful.
1: That is awesome, and that's really crucial is getting a, a team that has a variety of strengths. Uh, That really complement, and that's that's really, I don't know. I I feel like it's rare to find. When you find it, it really really works. So that's that's really amazing, and I'm super stoked for you.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, I brought that up because it, it kind of reminded me of exactly what you were saying with Codify, and you know, just the tone that you had. You were excited. Yeah, that, that guy that you're working with, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, this person does this and this and this, and then they feel threatened <laughs> that this person is going to take over their work. But you're like legitimately excited that you can learn all these new things. But there's also this dude who does things you can't. Yeah, right.
1: Well, and that's and what, we're looking that's at scaling like up here. too. And that's this. That is, I that is, I think that has been one of the most terrifying things I've had to navigate in my adult life. Is taking ownership of of a of a, a small business and having to navigate how to scale it up and uh so we're we're looking at, at taking on uh, some very large projects and it means that we have to bring in more than just me and Michael and so we're we're hiring on a a new project manager and my my whole attitude with this project manager is is like you know a, a lot of this is going to be taking a lot of the work that I do right now uh, and and Michael was like, I, I hope you don't feel threatened by by you know, a project manager. Honestly, I I want my my ideal project manager is someone who can manage circles around me. I I need yeah. someone who can like really sharpen me, push me to the limit, teach me things, and you know like make make me a better person and make Codify better as as a company. Uh, and and that's just my whole attitude towards it. I want everyone on the team to just be like just a beast at at what they do, and then yeah, and I th- think that, and that that overall all of you benefit, yeah, and it builds a lot of trust and it builds a lot of a lot of ownership and and that's also i mean that feeds back into Michael and I share a lot of ideologies and stuff about um you know I, I think that we're very much on the same page in terms of our our emphasis on more horizontal organization rather than, um, you know, vertical is like, we look at it, not as, um, like Michael's my boss and I would be the boss. We look at it more like we are resources to each other. And if there are things that I need Michael as a resource on, like, like development, I can be like, uh, Michael, I've, I've got like these tasks X, Y, Z, I need X, Y, Z dev work done. So, so like hop on and, and he's just like, boom, on it and you know same with me it's, it's like he'll like i need xyz you know jump on that and i'm like yeah okay cool and we, we just knock it out and we have fun with it too and, th- and that's the thing is like we're we're grinding but we're we're still having fun with it uh, and so it's just been it's been neat and i, w- I want to preserve that that you know I, I feel like you know i think you had said it perfect if you're not uncomfortable then something's not quite right and i f- i feel like um going through all this you know I, I had said it's it's been like one of the most terrifying things for me to go through because it's been almost entirely uncharted territory but at the same time i know that's that exciting I, yeah i know that i'm growing and and now it's like you know every chance i get to take to kind of look back at at like you know what what i've just done it, if if you had asked me like five years ago uh you know what do you think you'd be doing that you're killing never it, in dude. my life so you know it's it's neat and it's uh, it's not something that I that I had really foreseen, but I had these these like <clears throat> I had these goals in mind, uh, you know. And I always kind of think about a five-year plan, and and this kind of coming back to where we had started the episode with, you know. This time of year is very kind of introspective and reflective, but also kind of looking forward. And so like I constantly kind of take an assessment of what my what my five-year plan is and stuff like that. And so for a long time, I'd say maybe for the past like nine years, my five-year plan has included something along the lines of I need to be in a position where I can be autonomous, but I can also have, I can also shape the work that I'm and
0: yeah. Re- so you you need to have stake and you need to work at a startup, which is kind of what you do. Yeah, exactly.
1: And so when I when I saw kind of what I would be doing, yeah, there's going to be a lot of risk, um, risk in, involved in going in on a startup. Um, you know, I don't remember the stats, but uh, there's there's a, a a really really scary number of startups fail every year. Uh, and, oh yeah. And uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you've got to know the risk going in. Not everybody can start their own business. Um, and not everybody can can go into a startup and and have it uh, pan out for them. So it, you know it took a lot of trust and and faith and uh, and risk. But you know so far it's been rewarding. But you know it, it, I also saw opportunities to kind of carve out and make progress toward you know these bigger goals that I had set for myself. And and so it's just nice to kind of be making some progress on those. Yeah. Uh that's amazing, man. Yeah. But one of the things that uh I had wanted to to cover with with all this is just kind of some thoughts. Um I've been curious, you know, because I feel like you and I are, are very much on the same page and we've been going through a lot of the same types of of things in our lives. What are some things for you that um have helped you sustain this? You know, like you're you're a very busy guy. Uh, you, you take on a lot of projects. You've got a lot of things going in different directions. And one of the things that you had, one of the things that you had mentioned, uh, I think the first time we had a podcast together and it's stuck with me ever since is you said that you like to have a lot of things going at once because, um, you can kind of just keep energy moving forward, even if it's even if it's little bit by little bit, like you kind of reach a yeah. a roadblock in, in one thing you're working on, shift to the next, hit a roadblock on that one, shift to the next, and eventually you keep coming back around because you know, you keep moving the puzzle around just a little bit until more things fall into place and you can kind of make forward progress on it. So
0: but like the, the key is that all of those things, all of those puzzle pieces, all those individual puzzles are all related somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's hard I mean, to see the I still, overlap. I, it's yeah. Sometimes it is, and I think this year I've kind of come to see the overlap a, a lot, a lot easier. Um, but but in terms of like how have I been doing that, and nothing's really changed. You know, if anything, all of the all of the I like to say things, but all of the projects that I'm working on are, are all fairly related to either archaeology, education, or gaming, or a combination of those. You know, Ross rifles uh, and Dundas and games. Happens to be a combination of all three. I use my archaeological skills at research, writing, and editing. Um, I'm using, you know, my career as an educator because the ultimate goal is to create something educational. And then, of course, gaming. I'm a lifelong gamer, and that is a gaming project with curiosity and focus. You know, I have guests on who do work in the gaming industry. Uh, it is educational, and I get to do archaeological collaborations like this one with you. Yeah. Uh, so. Do- developing all of these things, you know, if I'm doing one, I'm kind of working on all the other ones at the same time. Uh, One of the new things that I've been doing is, you know, I I talked about this on my show is I I learned basically the entire Adobe creative suite uh, in in a couple of months. Wow. Nice. And, And I learned that for A, to work on doctoral work, but B, to work on curiosity and focus. And of course, to work on Danesso's games, because, you know, as a new business we don't want to outsource a lot of our work yeah so i kind of took on all of the design and layouts for our book wow and did it myself i I learned everything from scratch so i I don't know if you saw that you know that mock-up that i posted on facebook of ross rifles yeah
1: it's beautiful
0: I, i did that i did that amazing um so i i didn't know how to use photoshop before i actually did that that was one of the first things i'd ever photoshopped other than you know archaeological like photos yeah Man, nice job. Um, so I made that. Thank you. Um, but you know, this professional development in one field has greatly impacted all of the other endeavors that I have, but as a whole have made me more marketable because now I can put on my resume and my CV that one of the hard skills I have is experience with the Adobe Creative Suite. Yeah. Right. For curiosity and focus, I use Audition because you told me about it, so I started using it. So I use Audition. Um, I obviously use Photoshop and InDesign. Or everything related to uh, Ross rifles um, and, and those are like the the primary ones for me, and it, it's just been like a really cool journey. but again, like if I sway from one task, I just find another one. and in terms of managing those tasks, uh, and I believe you and I've talked about this before, or maybe not. Did I tell you about the power list? no okay, so there's a, there's a podcast that I really love. It's called the MFCEO Project. It's a business podcast. It's hosted by a a man named Andy Frisella. He he owns a whole bunch of companies, um, but it's this free business podcast. It has no sponsors. He actually loses money producing it. Uh, But it's about business, and it's about kind of building your brand and getting out there. But it's not about making money. It's about being successful in the way that you see it. And one of the things that he constantly talks about on that show is something called The Power List. And he talks about it on episode 107 of the show or 104. Um, But essentially what it is is I get up every morning and I write down five critical tasks that I want to get done that day until I finish those tasks. So if I drift from one of my tasks, I'll drift to another critical task. And by the end of the day, I'll get everything done. And nice. that's how I do all of my projects. So, you know, uh, I, I know that like I'm I lately I've been working with a translator in China to do all of that translation for the book. So I know that my mornings are going to be working with the translator. So I know that working on my petrography paper and my petrography book, that's my morning task. My afternoon task will basically um, switch between working on another top secret project that I Ah, uh, f- through Don S. West games that we can't talk about yet. Yeah. Um, working on that, it's it's a book that we've been actually writing for like five years. Wow. Um, it's yeah, it's going to be massive, but we're going to put out Ross Rifles first. Nice. Um, but you know, working on that book, uh, doing Level Up Gaming or working with clients because now I work at a private school as well as with Level Up Gaming. Um, and then of course there's, you know, making sure I relax. One of the things that you know, I have a hard time doing is not working. Yeah. (laughs) And that might be like my biggest flaw. You know, if you go to a job interview and you start with like, they say, what's your uh, biggest flaw? Well, one of my biggest flaws is a, is a strength. I'm not good at not working. (laughs) Um, I'm terrible at not working and I always feel guilty about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my partner does a really amazing job of telling me like, look, you have to like, relax, do something like that isn't you know, work. And if yeah. I'm telling her like, oh, I'm like, I'm so in I'm so into this, like I'm really into this video game right now called Bloodborne. It's like this gothic horror action game. It's nice. Really dope. Really fucking difficult though. Um I'm super into it. And I know the game they, like the game scares her because she isn't into that horror genre. But she's always like, if I'm playing it, she's like, Yeah, you should play that because she knows that it's time when I'm relaxing. Yeah. Um I've also taken up knitting. So she's always like no you way. Should go and knit. Yeah, dude. I'll send you a picture. I'm knitting a scarf right now. Oh, that's so awesome. I learned how to knit.
1: My fiance has um, been knitting a lot of scarves lately too.
0: Dude, I've been like, I've been working on the same scarf for like weeks. <laughs> I'm so bad at it. But You'll you know, get there. every every night I'm trying to like do a couple lines on on the scarf, or you know, trying to just sit down and do nothing but knitting. Yeah, it's really hard for me, and I maybe can get that done like twice a week, but I'm working on it. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how I get everything done. I just, I have a list of five things that I do every day and I drift between those five things until I'm done them.
1: Yeah. And I think it. But one of the things that you've morning, built I'm, into that though, is uh, it, it funds your life, right? So it's, yeah. it's either funding your life financially or through like mana, uh, you know, that just gives you the life force to keep going. Uh, And so, you know, like you, you've you got several income streams that that builds stability right there is, is you know, diversifying your income streams, but also, you know, having different ways to feel gratified. And, the, and then in, in the end, you know, having having a, a gratifying personal life is, is, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, what makes it all worth it?
0: Absolutely. And I feel like that's why 2017 is the best year for me, because I feel like this year, I have the most gratifying personal life. Yeah, you know, I I feel like you know I'm I'm spending more time with friends, I'm spending more time with loved ones, and you know, but I'm also like succeeding in my career, and it's the first one of the first years where I've had like a really I've struck a really good balance between it. Nice. Um, but but I think it kind of goes back to this thing. My supervisor said well, back when I was doing my master's five years ago. At this point, holy shit. Um, he said if you know. If archaeology in school is the only thing you're doing, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And I feel like that applies to everything. You know, if you're just doing work, you're doing life wrong, you know, and for for me, it's like, yeah, if I'm just doing archaeology, I'm definitely doing it wrong. So I'm doing archaeology, I'm doing gaming, I'm doing writing, but I'm also, you know, trying to lead a fulfilling personal life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 2017 was definitely like that for me too and and it's been finding finding a balance uh finding that work-life balance in the midst of all of these incredibly difficult but also rewarding, you know, opportunities to grow. Um I also got engaged. Um
0: Yeah, at, I was at, surprised you didn't mention that earlier. <laughs> got
1: engaged at the beginning of 2017 uh i can't remember the exact date but uh it you know i moved my fiance cross countries we were going on the road trip we stopped in joshua tree and uh climbed up on top of a big old rock and, and that was fun she said yes and uh Aww. going into codify though you know i even you know before you know i was and before moving her out to oregon uh you know, she's been such a great uh, source of support for me, that, and she encouraged me to take the risk uh, to fall codify. I'm incredibly thankful that you know she in- encouraged me to do that, because I don't think I would have if she hadn't said, you know, yeah, you you definitely need to do. That. I can tell that part of you will hurt if you. But it's also well, scary. I yeah, it's
0: it's good it's good to have, you, you know. It, it's good to have a partner and people in your life who support, you know, everything that you do. Yeah. Right? You know, from, from Codify to, to go dig a hole. Uh, you know, it's good to have family who also support that. Yeah. Um, but you need to have that one person in your life who will be like, yeah, go do that. Take that risk. If if it's worth it to you, do it.
1: Yeah, do the thing that scares you.
0: Yep. Do What was it? Somebody said... Uh, do one thing every day, do one thing that scares you. I'm I'm Uh, sitting here in the,
1: in the stream PDX Airstream and there's a collection of just, uh, really eccentric books all over the place. And right next to me is this book will change your life. And I I think that there's, uh, several things in there that are examples of things that will scare you. And you're supposed to do one thing out of the book every day. It's been a while since I've read it, but I remember one read it when I was, uh, it said, uh, go outside and let out a primal. S- and
0: I, <laughs> I you just know what, did I feel like more, more people don't do that. I had, so there was like a couple of years ago. I tried to do this thing where I tried to cross off as many things off of a bucket list as possible in one year. And and one of them was like scream at the top of my lungs from the top of a mountain. Yeah. And I got it done. And to be honest, like screaming from on top, like just screaming like like a visceral like battle yeah. cry, letting is, that
1: much force out of your body like
0: it's something that I had never done before, yeah, yeah, I'd never done it before, uh so yeah, I know I know the exact feeling, man I know the yeah. exact feeling
1: well, um, I think that's a great place to wrap, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, it's been fun as always, Daniel, thank you so much for joining the show um
0: Yo, no problem man
1: yeah see you in 2018 yeah, all, i mean again anybody who who is listening who has not checked out curiosity just, i know i know go i mean it, it.
0: it for, for you listeners who, who haven't checked out curiosity and focus and you <laughs> want to you want to stay curious with with me and you know hear chris on my show you can check us out on like patreon instagram and facebook at curiosity and focus you can learn more about the show at curiosityandfocus.com and and of course, it's on all of the major podcasting platforms. I get messages from people all the time we would be like, oh man, new episode of Curiosity and Focus and they send me a screenshot I'm like, what platform is that? Nice. Um, so it's out there. But if you want to learn about all of my work in gaming and what I do not as an academic or as a podcaster, uh, you can check out uh, one of my or- the organizations that I founded last year at Level Up Gaming at levelupgaming.ca and of course, like, uh, one of my babies, Dundas West Games at uh, dundaswestgames.com. dot com.
1: And Dundas is is uh, how do you spell that?
0: Oh yeah, for the non Canadians, uh, Dundas is D U N D A S West uh, Games. So we're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and of course Facebook at Dundas West Games.
1: Awesome. And if you are an academic and want to read Daniel's work, uh, you, oh, you can, you can just go to.
0: Um, yeah, you could just go to danielhquan.com. I have a section called press, and I have all my papers there. Uh, branding, man.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's key. Every academic has to have a website. That's key. Every academic has to have a website. But, like, dude, thank, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, we're going to have to, again, do another episode, but for my show yes. in the new year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's my turn. Thanks for listening to the go dig a hole podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please consider uh, supporting it on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole. Uh, All of your contributions are incredibly appreciated. And uh, I've already been able to do a lot of amazing things with your support. So thanks again. And please uh, share this with any of your friends, colleagues, classmates, students, teachers, whatever. Uh, you can also find me online. I'm very online. Uh, the blog is go dig a You can find me on all the social media platforms at Go